Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA President, Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. If you're like me and it's been a while since you sat in an anatomy class, you're probably not uh, familiar with or remember the word intensified. Well, after we reacquaint you with this term, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. My guest today, Dr. David Shahar, is very interested in these, especially when they occur on the external occipital protuberance the EOP, that little bump at the back of the occiput. In fact, his research postulates a possible link between an enlarged EOP and forward head carriage, which makes this topic very important for anyone interested in posture and how biomechanical load may affect the body. So certainly something of interest to chiropractors and more recently, apparently very uh, great interest to the media. Now to give you a bit of background about David, he's a chiropractor and researcher. He graduated from Cleveland College in Los Angeles 1998 and in 1999 he attained his certification as a sports chiropractic physician from the same said college. After practicing for some time in Beverly Hills and Massachusetts, David moved to Australia where he now practices at the Health Hub in Murrayfield, Queensland. David is a PhD candidate in clinical biomechanics at the Faculty of Science, Health, Education and Engineering at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The title of his thesis is Prominent Exostosis in the Occipital Squama, an Anatomical Adaptation to Biomechanical Load. As part of his research, David has published three papers uh, on this topic in three different journals, the Journal of Anatomy, Scientific Reports, and Clinical Biomechanics. And he's here to talk about these papers today. Hi, David. Welcome to the ACA podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. I just wanted to make a little correction. I am no longer a candidate. I've uh, gained my uh, PhD in February this year. Well, congratulations. Fantastic. That is great news. The profession needs as many PhDs as we can. Thank you. Thank you. So you're not only uh, achieved PhD status, but you're somewhat of a celebrity because I understand that uh, the BBC and media in Australia have uh, been very interested in your research. So yeah, so about uh, maybe six months ago, uh, no, sorry, three months ago, uh, BBC reported, uh, BBC Future reported, uh, contacted me and uh, she wrote about how modern life transforms a human skeleton. So. She wrote about uh, a few projects that she had seen. Mine was one of them. And mine caught the, uh, basically, attention of the media. It first caught the attention of the media overseas. So uh, Newsweek uh, magazine and a few other magazines reported on it uh, extensively. After that, uh, it came to the attention of the media here. So there were a few... Uh, media engagement with the prominent channels and the ABC and so forth. Um, then it uh, went back to the US where with the Washington Post and the New York Times had a little bit of uh, going at each other with regards to this uh, particular research. 
Um, in response to that, I got the attention of many channels over there. I was on the Good Morning America show and, and a few other shows. Uh, and, uh, and the last week has been very interesting. I've got so many emails and communications from uh, people around the world, including surgeons and, uh, and, and just people wondering about these type of things. And uh, it was very interesting. Well, it certainly is a global community that we live in now. So let's uh, dive straight into it and find out what all the, the media hype is about. And maybe let's just start from the basics. Um, what is an intensifite and am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah, intensifite is a, you can say bone spur, basically. It is a, an emphasis is a site where uh, ligaments and tendons and the joint capsule attach, attach into the bone. So inherently, they are exposed to stresses, various stresses. And when you put too much stress on those in a way that they were not uh, intended to uh, support, then they start uh, modifying themselves uh, by becoming wider and larger and bonier to spread the load better on the bone. So. It's a really interesting story, and you've sort of sequenced this out over um, three publications. So let's maybe go in the order of your of how yeah. you've published this and talk about the Journal of Anatomy um, paper first. So, so what was that all about? So it was entitled the Morphological Adaptation Question Mark: The Prevalence of Enlarged External Occipital in Young Adults. And what brought me to look at it is uh, the fact that I've seen it. Uh, increasingly enlarged, uh, enlarged the particular bony protrusion in young adult skulls. It's important to say that uh, this particular protrusion I'm talking about was emanating from the EOP, the external occipital protuberance, and therefore while one might uh, wonder, well, isn't there supposed to be a protuberance there anyways, um, I went back and looked, looked at the, the literature and uh, Paul Broca, um, you might remember him from the speech area in the brain. Yes, indeed. So in 1875, he, was, he resented the name uh, protuberance or external occipital protuberance and he replaced it with the name Inyan, which some of you might be familiar with, on the basis that he rarely ever seen a protrusion there. And so... Uh, Saying that uh, this area is uh, supposed to be a protrusion by its old nomenclature, I have decided that I will be very careful in my studies. And I did not, uh, while I was looking at large intensifieds from the occipital squama, I did not consider any intensified large unless if it was bigger than 10 millimeters. And to put this in perspective, a large intensified in the foot where they are most commonly seen at the Achilles tendon's insertion or the plantar fascia's insertion. Uh, large intensified there might be three or five millimeter uh, long, where you will feel excruciating pain. You may not be able to uh, walk on your foot if you had a five millimeter bone spur. We didn't even count five millimeter bone spurs in our study. So it sounds like you've obviously um made the decision, okay, it's only a large intensified if it's over 10 mil, which certainly does sound big. What percentage of people uh, that you're looking at actually uh, had these larger intensifieds? Uh, 
So at first we were looking only at young adults. So we looked at uh, 218 individuals, about half of them were university students, where they were a control group, so they were asymptomatic. They were recruited for a different project by a different researcher. And so, uh, so we looked at uh, 218, 18 to 30 year old individuals, and 41% of this population presented with anthesophytes larger than 10 millimeters. What's more interesting is, is that 10% uh, of the population also presented with uh, anthesophytes that are more than 20, 20 millimeters. Wow. Which is quite substantial with the largest ones uh, measuring, at least that we have measured, was uh, three and a half centimeters, just about that. So your first study sort of identified that there's uh, over 40% of uh, younger people that have these enlarged EOPs. Your second study then went to look at the relationship between an enlarged EOP and posture, in particular forward head carriage. Can you tell us about that study? So in all studies, we considered forward head protraction, and we found out that forward, a large forward head protraction is a, is a factor that is helpful in predicting the presence of uh, anthesophyte formation. But what we've done in the second study that was published in scientific report Nature is uh, we decided to zoom out and look at 1,200 individuals, 18 to 86 years old, and see uh, if the distribution of anthesophyte through this population is going to grow with time as anticipated with most uh, degenerative conditions. So for example, you don't expect that the young population will appear to be wrinkled more than the adult population. So, uh, so the expectation should be that as the age go up, the prevalence and the size of the anthesophytes is going to go up as well. So the literature, I must uh, say first, suggests that large intensifieds do not exist with the younger than 40-year-old population. And our graph shows that uh, there is an, uh, the uh, anthesophytes formation in terms of prevalence and size from the age of 40 and upwards increases with time, which is what we expected. But what was surprising is, is that the population of 18 to 30 year old had larger anthesophytes and more prevalence uh, of anthesophyte formation or large anthesophyte formation than any other age group, including the, uh, the very old population. So that was very surprising about that particular study. It makes me think of how some children that grew up in the 60s ended up having poorer hearing than their parents simply because they were exposed to loud rock music. I guess what we're seeing today is that that 18 to 30 year old, the generation that grew up in the digital age, very much exposed to um, mobile devices, um, tablets and phones, spending exceedingly long periods of time in that forward head posture that we are starting to see anatomical changes in this generation. Is that what you're postulating? 
So we did not uh, do the particular study to, sh to show this, but you've got to look back and ask yourself, well, what have changed over the last decade to bring about these type of changes? And uh, whether it is uh, being more sedentary, whether it is using the technologies, handheld technologies, I think the most important thing to realize is that these type of formation take a long time to form. Yes. And uh, they also normally form in, as a result, according to anatomical studies, they, they will form a, uh, in response to a sustained type of stress. Yes. So I can imagine that uh, in the past, if, uh, it would be very difficult to find a child sitting on a chair for, for, uh, for an hour without moving, but these days you can have them sitting for three hours watching a movie or playing a game and yes. if you come and disturb them, they might want to have uh, another hour to sit there and then, yeah, in that uh, uh, poor posture, I guess. Uh, there are studies that have shown that uh, with flexed head posture, the weight of the head uh, becomes three to five times greater on the muscles at the posterior uh, at the posterior cervical muscles. So, uh, so we have a reason to believe that uh, as a result of the excessive uh, sustained stress, these formations are occurring. So your third study in uh, clinical biomechanics uh, looked at things in, uh, in terms of inflammatory markers and genetic predisposition. Tell us a bit about that study. So rheumatological research suggests that large intensifiers are exclusive to people who suffer from spondyloarthritis and genetic predisposition. So we were looking uh, at uh, four individuals who are 13 to 16 year old with uh, possessing anthesophytes that are about 15 to 30 millimeter long. We did uh, blood work on them to see if there is any systemic inflammation. We looked for uh, HLA-B27 on all its uh, subtypes to rule out the genetic predisposition and we also did MRI studies to look for localized inflammation. All those participants were negative uh, for all those tests so that left us uh, speculating again that perhaps mechanical factors are the drivers of this uh, phenomenon and not so much inflammatory and genetic uh, uh, changes. Uh, studies have shown uh, that genetic factors are more likely to be drivers in the development of the emphasis at the very early days and weeks of life, while mechanical factors are more likely to determine the development and growth of the emphasis uh, throughout life in, the, in later years. I know uh, chiropractors and other health practitioners listening to this uh, podcast will now be thinking, gee, that, that uh, lateral cervical spine x-ray that I uh, looked at, I need to now start taking much more attention or paying much more attention to that size of that EOP and, and I suppose even just palpating the size of the EOP, uh, particularly in um, children or younger people who have forward head carriage. Uh, what do you think the take-home messages are from, from your studies? There are a few. So firstly, we now understand that large intensifieds which are not anticipated before the age of 40 can develop earlier in life. 
We also uh, can uh, understand that uh, degenerative findings can develop silently, and by the time you find them, they're already there, and it's hard to get rid of them, impossible sometimes to get rid of those. And therefore, um, we encourage people to uh, improve posture uh, or observe good posture from uh, early age. Uh, so they basically, for the purpose of prevention intervention, and that is very important. So I guess the, uh, to summarize uh, your studies and what you've sort of just outlined there, we, we now know from your work that um, an enlarged uh, EOP uh, is common and we're talking very large and it's common more common in the younger group than the than the older groups uh, it, it's possibly uh, related to forward head posture um, that's something that you've obviously uh, postulated uh, I, I guess the next question would be um, is forward head posture um, related to increasing chronic pain or uh, reduced quality of life. We know that, for example, lifestyle factors like uh, exercise have a strong link to um, pain and quality of life. Uh, are you aware of any sort of outcome studies on forward head posture that also make a, a similar link? Yes. Uh, so Vaza Veda, if you look her up, uh, you'll see she did a fantastic job in uh, in uh, testing that, uh, showing how uh, forward head protraction results in uh, increased load at the musculature at the uh, upper neck and the upper back area. It's important to realize that musculoskeletal complaints related to the cervical spine area and headaches are on the rise. If in uh, 20 years ago, most of the complaints um, related to the lower were related to the lower back. Now we see more uh, uh, cervical spine related complaints than we used to in the past. So certainly things have changed. It's important to realize that uh, while we are suggesting or if we are dealing if we are dealing with a mechanical problem, it's important to realize that a mechanical solution may be prudent prudent to entertain in the treatment of uh, these type of uh, conditions, which is what we offer as chiropractors. Yes, and I think you've really hit the nail on, a, on the head there. That's a, an extremely important point about uh, the mechanical problem needs a mechanical solution, and uh, chiropractors are very well equipped to, to manage those things. Um, David, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations uh, on your PH, uh, achieving your PhD status. That is uh, fabulous, and it really is uh, a three great little studies that you've put together. Um, it's a really interesting read, so I'd encourage um, our ACA podcast listeners to uh, have a look at these studies. We'll make them uh, available via links. Um, David, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence and I look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast. Mm -hmm.